Hi everybody, I'm Ralph Benmergi. Welcome to Yehopitzville, brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. This is the first of the international edition of Yehopitzville, as we uh, broaden our scope and go into different parts of the world to find uh, Jewish life where it resides. Now, by the way, if you know of someone or you yourself uh, are living somewhere outside of Canada, please let our producer know. Uh, Michael Freeman is his name, and his email is mfreeman, F-R-A-I-M-A-N, at the cjn.ca, or you can contact us through the CJN website. Well, here we are. Spring has sprung. We're closer and further away from certain things. I always see spring as kind of a war between winter and summer here in Canada, but my guest today doesn't worry about those things right now, because she's in a place where you don't get a bitter, cold winter. She's in Spain. And um, this will be interesting for me because my roots are indeed in that part of the world. Being a person who was born in Tangiers, Morocco myself, and uh, Spanish is our mother tongue in my home, and having gone through Andalusia and uh, northern Morocco and and then into Fez, um, I've seen all kinds of remnants of a life that people centuries ago in my bloodline have. But this guest is actually living the dream in one way or another. Leah Stock is my guest, a Canadian who now lives in uh, Gerona, or Girona, uh, and that is, uh, for those who know Barcelona or Barcelona, there is um, the existence of that Catalan world that is French and Spanish and feels very much like it's not part of the Spanish culture in some ways and yet is and all those wonderful things. But I'm not going to explain it. Leah is. Welcome to Yehopitzel, Leah. Thank you. So, uh, you know, the simplest thing to do is to say, tell me about yourself. Oh, let me see. What can I say? Um, I came for the winter <laughs> due to a health problem. Was The idea was to spend the winter. And I landed in Barcelona and uh, figured out that I'm actually much more comfortable on this side of the Great Pond. Hmm. So where did you come from exactly in Canada? Born in Montreal. And then we left with the exodus and, like many, ended up in the Toronto area. And from there you... And from there I went to Barcelona. Just like and that? Just, well, just like that, yeah. The idea wasn't to go to Barcelona. The idea was to spend the winter in Barcelona. And uh, I think I spent about 20 years in Barcelona. And then around 10 years ago, I moved here to Girona. You know, there's a lot of people who think to themselves, what if I could actually go to a place where I get there and go, ah, this is what I've been looking for. This is home. Did that happen to you when you went to Barcelona? or did, Or was it kind of, looking back eight years and going, oh, I'm still here. Like, was there an epiphany for you? There was a bit of an epiphany. Um, I always felt much more comfortable on on this side of the Great Pond. And uh, I definitely felt comfortable in, much more comfortable in Barcelona than I did in Toronto. And, um, but the first day I stepped foot in Girona, probably about 30 years ago, um, there was something about Girona that called me, we'll say. And uh, I always felt very, very much at home here. And around 10 years ago, I was uh, looking to change flats. I work remotely, so there was no problem moving to Girona. And they installed the high-speed train, so in 38 minutes, I can be in Barcelona if I have a meeting. And uh, I decided to try it. And once I moved here, I realized that this is the first place that I actually feel completely at home. So tell me about that feeling, because I think a lot of people yearn for it. How, how, what, how does it <laughs> manifest itself? 
How does it, that's a good question. I'm not sure how it manifests itself. I think it's, I mean, there are a lot of sensual things like the smells, the food, the, the way people interact with each other um, that appeals to me, that, I, that just makes me feel much more natural being me rather than in the Anglo world. I don't mean to offend anybody here, but it's just <laughs> how, how I felt, right? A little bit out of place in the, in the Anglo world. And um, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's cultural. I think the fact that Jews are Mediterranean people perhaps has something to do with it. Um, perhaps the fact that I have one line of my family that also came from the peninsula here, maybe that has something to do mm. with it as well. Tell me about that. Oh, well, the story goes in the family that uh, we descend from the last Gaon, great rabbi of the peninsula. And uh, so that's something I always knew, but didn't know a lot about. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe I was called back, who knows. But uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that there is a, a cultural element here to, to feeling at home on the Mediterranean. So it's interesting because I'm thinking to myself, you're a Montreal Jew. Mm-hmm. You go to Toronto, and it's like mm-hmm. I know a lot of Montreal exiles who uh, spent most of their life in Toronto, and often like I'd sit, yeah, and I'd sit with them, and they just tell me why they're in the wrong city. That Toronto really wasn't their vibe. Yeah, it's funny that you we we can tell when we don't necessarily feel at home in a place. But I don't. I'm not. I can't speak for other people, but I never knew what I was looking for to make a place my home. And here it just feels um, very natural. It just feels like I can be me. <laughs> so what's the Jewish thread through all this? How have you as a, uh, as a Jew uh, seen all of this journey? How have I seen this journey? Um, well, coming from a family that has wandered a lot, it doesn't feel unnatural to be wandering from the place of my birth, since both my parents are from different countries. So um, I think the wandering part is is quite natural for us. Um, I didn't necessarily, as a Jew, I think it's uh, hard sometimes, especially in communities in Spain, in, in some of the established communities, to, to be the outsider and to try and fit in. Um, in Barcelona, I never really felt... I belonged to the, the main shul in Barcelona, but I never felt like I fit in, fit in there either, well, which was probably... I'm sorry? Why is that? Um... I would imagine it's probably because there were groups of people that had been friends their entire lives, very small cliques, a little bit like what happens in Toronto as well, cities mm-hmm. like that, where you have, you know, tight groups of friends, they grew up together, and it's not that they try and exclude you, you just don't necessarily feel like you naturally fit in. Um, and I think that that was probably one of the factors that allowed me to move to a place like Girona, because when I landed in Girona, there was no Jewish community here. Hmm. Um, and uh, I, I'm maybe my claim to fame is that I have the first mezuzah in the Jewish quarter since 1492. Um, that's pretty and, good. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> that's, that's Unfortunately, I, I didn't think about it at the time. Otherwise, I would have filmed. Made it. a bigger deal out of it. Yeah. 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 Well, I actually it. did have a very big party and invited people. And, and interestingly, um, a lot of my new friends in Girona were very interested in the fact that a Jew had landed in the Jewish quarter. Why? What were they saying to you? Um, well, they do... Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the, the, the Jewish heritage and culture in Spain um, has been a bit of a, a vehicle for tourism. Yes. And so they do a lot of things about Jews, 
um, but not with Jews. So when I started to meet people, especially some of my friends who've grown up on the Jewish quarter, and they know that it's a Jewish quarter, um, they have like a never-ending stream of questions about, you know, what is a Jew? What does it mean to be a Jew? Um, how do you feel here? And so there's this kind of intrigue of uh, finding out what does it really mean? You know, what is, <laughs> what's it like to be a Jew back in a Jewish quarter? And uh, so that, that's a very interesting thing as well to live. You know, to... Is there any of that, in some parts of Spain, the, like you can, you can talk to somebody in, in the Andalusia part of Spain, you know, in Cordoba or something, and they'll, and they'll say, uh, este es el nuevo, and el, el, you know, uh, so the new town, the old mm -hmm. town. Mm -hmm. uh, viejo town, new town, right? And mm -hmm. um, and the new town was where the conversos would move to, mm -hmm. who didn't leave at the expulsion, but converted to Catholicism. Because you had choices, right? You could convert, be killed, or leave, mm -hmm. right? And my people went to Morocco because uh, mm -hmm. they, they weren't for money. And the rich people went to New Amster to Amsterdam and then New Amsterdam, which is why you have a 400-year-old in Montreal and New York, a 400-year-old Spanish-Portuguese synagogue, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Well, is I there any conversation about that in, in Girona or in Barcelona? Well, um, the whole converso story thing uh, is a, a bit of a new phenomenon now. And... Um, I, I will say I'm bothered sometimes when they talk about, you know, the Jews actually never left. They were just here hiding, which um, aside from, you know, a couple of recognized groups, I don't buy into that narrative. Um, but a lot of people do proudly say, you know, oh, by the way, my last name is, you know, a family that were conversos. And so they, they do recognize um, that they have, you know, some Jewish blood back in their in their family. And most of the people that I've spoken with are very proud of that fact, which mm. is interesting. And they would like to learn more. And one of my friends actually, who was born here in the Jewish quarter, one day told me that um, the biggest problem is that um, Jews are not telling their own story, you know, because he would ask me the most basic of things. And he said, you know, I've grown up and I have all kinds of activities going on around me, but we never hear from you guys. So... I allow them to pick my brain to ask me. I mean, I tell them, you know, it's, I'm just one Jew and two Jews, three opinions. So, right. <laughs> one Jew, three opinions. Yeah. As well, as well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So it's it's a nice experience, you know. A how lot big of people, was the? I'm sorry. Sorry. How big was the the, the uh, Jewish uh, community in in Barcelona? Good question. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. I because you went. You said to the the big shul. Right. Yeah, I went. I went to. It's called the CIB, the Comunidad Israelita de Barcelona. And um, honestly, I'm not sure how many. I would say probably at least three, four thousand Jews, maybe now in Barcelona. And their prayer uh, is Sephardic. Or yes, it is yes. Sephardic. I sat up in the rafters with the women. Right. Right. Yeah. Part of the, the thing. <laughs> yeah. Just, it, it wasn't yeah. a problem. It wasn't a problem. So um, yeah. But now I think there are four or five communities, as happens, you know. Right, of course. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go to that. <laughs> Everybody so, started yeah. splintering off. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what has it done to your sense of being a Jew to, to leave 
you know, I mean, Montreal had a strong Jewish community, Toronto, a very big Jewish community for Canada. And then you go to Barcelona and you're not feeling quite like you're part of it, but you are, you certainly have access to it. And now you're in a place where you're the town Jew. So how has that affected or has it affected your immersion in being a Jew? I think it definitely has made me I wouldn't. I couldn't say feel more like a Jew because I've always had a very strong Jewish identity. Um, maybe appreciate a little bit more my Jewish identity and share it proudly. Um, more than with the Jews of Barcelona, but because I work in um, in corporate corporate learning, a lot of times you know people would ask me questions. It would pop up. Culturally, because they, you know, they would say, "Oh, are you French or are you English from Canada?" Mm. Right? No, I'm neither. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> sure, I'm both. You know? and so those kinds of questions perhaps also made me share my identity identity a little bit more with others, more with the non-Jews, more than with the Jews. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I get it, but it also, but you're in a place now where there is no community focus of being a Jew. You don't have a synagogue and, and well, all those pieces, or do you? Actually, now we do. Um, about, I think it was four years ago, Chabad landed in, uh, in Girona. And um, I'm not comfortable in Chabad, so I didn't go to that community. But uh, I got along very well with the rabbi, lovely young rabbi they sent here. And slowly but surely, there were more and more Jews congregating. He was identifying them, etc. And... Um, Right before COVID started, or right as COVID started, he had to leave. And so we were left with no community. So I was asked to participate on the board of the Jewish community of Girona, and I agreed. And um, so now we're trying to reestablish ourselves. And uh, we have about 50 Jews, I think, in Girona City, officially. Hmm. How and many people about, in Girona? In Girona, I think we're about 100,000. Okay, and 50 Jews. And 50 Jews, yeah. There might be a few more that, <laughs> you know, that don't walk around saying, hi, I'm a Jew. Although <laughs> I've identified a few on the streets, you know. Okay, are you from the tribe? Judeo? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And then, how did you know? And then where there's a, probably about another 50 along the coast and the mm. outside of uh, Girona. So slowly but surely, we're trying to establish a community because I think there are enough of us here. Um, you know, we have... Uh, Culturally, we're very diverse, so that's one of the, I'd say, the challenges of trying to create a community when we don't, um, or we all have very different customs and different backgrounds, etc. It's a challenge, but it's also very interesting. Well, you get to do uh, Nacho Mimana, right? Yeah. Do, you, do you do that? <laughs> yes. Passover at yes. the end of Passover? Because that's a big thing for well, Sephardim. It is. It is. Actually, in uh, Barcelona, it might be more common. Here, I'm trying to think, we... I know of a couple that are Moroccan Jews, but we have more um, from France, from the States, from I think Australia, South Africa. So uh, as a board member, how do mm -hmm. you find a common space, a third space where all these Jewish people can find enough commonality to want to come together every once in a while? That, that, is, that is the challenge right now. Um, you know, we have, um, we have some, we'll say of the, you know, celebrating the holidays and things like that. But I think that there's also a lot of margin for people who don't necessarily um, want to express their Jewishness from a religious perspective, but more from a cultural perspective. So that's where we are right now, is we're trying to 
create that synergy between um, all of these people with so many different backgrounds and age differences and wants and needs. And yeah. abs exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's where we are now. We're trying to, you know, see, okay, who would like what, what kinds of uh, activities can we offer? What kinds of things do we have in common? Okay. So for Passover, what's mm -hmm. the plan? Passover's coming up. What's the plan? What's the plan? Well, there, there was a call out to see how many people would like to have a community um, Seder. And uh, we have had them in the past. And we'll see. You know, a lot of people have their own families, so they have their own things going on as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of hard. Like, for instance, in my case, I'm here living alone without a family. Normally, I would do my, right. my Seder with my friends. Right. And, you know, there were always a couple of Jews at the table and a lot of non-Jews at the table as well. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because in, in my family, there are some people who are Ashkenazi and some people who are Sephardic. So when we get to mm -hmm. Dayenu, it gets a little <laughs> tricky because the Ashkenazi version is Day Dayenu. And yeah. our version is Iluna Tanlanu Etatora. Dayenu Iluna Tanlanu Etatora. Like it's Arabic, basically. So it's oh, but a totally it's nice to have culture. a little diversity. In yeah, yeah. No, we always have to duke it out. And, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the food. All any, uh, also, Ashkenazi people say to me about our way of doing Pesach is uh, you get to eat rice. Is that, really? That that no. That's that, we don't even eat the rice. Don't worry about it. It's not, it's not why we're there. <laughs> so, how so interesting that you you feel at home more where you are now in Girona than you've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And yet, do you think it's a coincidence that you bumped yourself into Spain and, and into Girona eventually? I mean, you didn't exactly go there immediately. Or do you believe in a kind of journey a destiny that that it had to happen this way or is this just well, just happened to bump into it no i don't think um it just happened this way i think there was maybe an element i don't like to call it a calling but um yeah perhaps there's something that called me back here what is it uh, that's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that one out, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, look, on the other hand, I envy the fact that you feel it. You don't need to, you know, have a reason, but how wonderful. Strangely, one of the last photos I have of my mother, um, my house, my current house, is in the background. So, who knows? Maybe it was my mother from beyond bringing me here. Your um, current house has your mother in the background. How, no, how sorry, I didn't explain that well. No, one of the last photos my mother passed away, and one of the last photos I have of my mother, the house where I'm living in now, uh -huh. is in the background of the photo. Huh. So, who knows? Who knows? So, what would you say to people who feel that, you know, you really, if you're Jewish, you should try to make sure there's a, a large critical mass of Jews around you or you're going to lose your Judaism? What would you say to them? I think it depends on personal circumstances. For instance, if I had children, um, I probably wouldn't live so far from a, a Jewish community. Mm. Um, I think that makes a difference. I think it's important to transmit things that happen in a community as a community to, to the next generation. Um, I think it's, it's not, I know, for instance, we have um, the Israeli cycling team is established here, it's, it's based here in Girona. And I don't think it's a, um, I'm, I'm not trying to speak on behalf of anybody else, but I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a consideration for all Jews. Like I see how 
some of the Israelis weren't necessarily interested um, in a community. So I think I think it really depends on how each one lives their Jewishness, we'll say, what's important to them. Um, but I will say that when I meet with the Israelis, we definitely do gravitate towards each other. So right. it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. yeah, yeah. What a wonderful thing. Um, do you go to Andalusia at all, to Cordoba or Alhambra? Or, you know? I have been, but I haven't been in many years. Um, we, there's, we some, have, there's something so, sort of um, archival, as you said, you know, like you live in the Jewish quarter, but sometimes in Europe, I feel like there's a, a, a sort of Jewish ghosting that you go to these places that used to have Jews. And, you know, there used to be a synagogue in Cordoba, there used to be a synagogue in Malaga, and, you know, like, they're just artifacts now. There's no community, and people just sort of look at them and go, oh, yeah, Jews used to be here, and now they're not. I don't know. Does... Yeah, yeah. They do, even even when there are Jews in some towns, they still like, uh, as many Jews here have said, they like their Jews dead or medieval. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. They don't necessarily appreciate the live ones so much. Um, oh I'm. I'm actually one of the big critics of many of the, we'll say, initiatives. The um, Jewish tourist kind of phenomena. You mean? Yeah, and even some of the official ones. Um, I was actually blocked on one page from commenting because I highlighted that you cannot call a synagogue Santa Maria La Blanca in Toledo. <laughs> They refer to it. it. It is no longer a synagogue, so it really shouldn't be called a synagogue. I know it's for, you know, attracting Jewish tourists yeah, yeah. and maybe some non-Jewish tourists. But to call it Synagoga Santa Maria La Blanca, personally, I think is a little over the top and offensive. Well, there's also <laughs> that other initiative in Spain, right, where it's about um, you can return if you can meet these requirements of proof that you had lived, your your ancestors had lived in Spain. <clears throat> they even asked, in in the case of people in my family, uh, that you had to prove you could speak a, a specific, not Ladino, but another uh, actual thing that is uh, native to North Africa, which is Haketia, which is kind of an Arabic, much more Arabic sounding uh, Jewish lingo. Um, that you would have to speak Haketia as part of the proof that you should, or have a key to the house you used to live in 500 years ago. Uh, well, I hadn't heard that you had to speak Haketia, um, that you had, at least for the, the process in Spain, that you mm. did have some linguistic, I think, knowledge was one of the criteria. Um, the criteria, though, wasn't uh, limited to only Jews and descendants of the Jews. It was... If you could prove that you had, and hence the, we'll say the converso phenomenon that's going on, um, if you could prove that you had uh, conversos in your family, apparently you could right. try and apply for the passport as well. The, there's also a process in Portugal, yeah. um, which is slightly different, but there's uh, there's been a lot of people criticizing both um, initiatives. We'll oh, yeah, yeah. No, at, at this point, they, the, the, the government took control of it in Spain and actually made it much harder to do, and people had already spent thousands of dollars trying to get it done, so it's pretty bizarre. Yeah, unfortunately, it did seem that there was a, a lucrative side to that whole process. Yeah. And people took advantage of it, and unfortunately, there was some fraud, or it seems that there was some fraud, and yeah, it's... Uh, 
but you care not. You are now a native. Of, do you see yourself as, as uh, in some way Spanish now? No, I don't see myself as Spanish. Um, I feel more Catalan. <laughs> see? And, <laughs> Great. I'm still Canadian. I'm wearing my Roots sweatshirt. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I feel like an outsider when I'm in Canada. Um, mm. I don't feel like a total native here either. Mm. But that's okay. That's yeah. okay. I, I like experiencing the different facets of belonging and not. Yeah, belonging and otherness. Yeah, exactly. On a daily basis. Well, listen, what a great conversation. I, I, I uh, it's lovely. I, I wish that you uh, have a good Passover and. Uh, uh, Thank you. Con favor de Dios, everything will be fine for you and and everything that you do and. Uh, Keep the seat warm in Girona so that the rest of us can come by without being tourists and just say oh, hi. Please and do. And if, you, and if you're coming this way, please do let me know. I shall, believe me. Uh, but you're uh, a Catalan, so I'll have to you know, cross, uh, get under the, the barbed wire and go 40 feet. <laughs> well, I'll give, you, I'll give you a nice tour of the, of the Jewish quarter. I'll show you some spots that are not on the official tour. I, I've never been to Barcelona either. So, you know, between those two things, I think it'd be great. Uh, well, I have a great tour guide for you in Barcelona as well. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Leah Stock in Girona in Spain. This has been Yehopetzil, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors. You can learn more at peartreecanada.com. I'm your host, Ralph Benmergi. I have my own website, ralphbenmergi.ca. I have a book, uh, I Thought He Was Dead, my spiritual memoir, and my own podcast is Not That Kind of Rabbi. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country and around the world visiting more small Jewish communities, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, thecjn.ca. Thanks, and we'll see you next time in Yehopitzville.